right, everybody. Man, I'm so glad you guys are here at New Life Church. How many of you guys are excited to be here today to worship Jesus? Come on, let me hear from you. All right, all right. Well, that's awesome. Hey, uh, look, we're going to be in week two of our current teaching series entitled Known, all right? And really what we're trying to do is we're trying to look at the, the basic foundational pillars of who is God. So last week, if you were here, Pastor Nate did a killer job bringing in the sermon last week, helping us understand that God is all-knowing. How many of you guys heard that message last week? Come on, let me hear from you. Yeah, yeah, I was here as well, and man, what, a, what an encouraging message that was, and a powerful day uh, at all of our campuses of God moving on the heart. So we, we learned last week that God is all-knowing, and this week we're going to be looking at the, the character quality, the trait of God, that he is all-present. Come on, someone say all-present. All, all right, I heard someone say all-presence. That's not correct, all right? It's not, no, God does not give us all-presence. All right, God doesn't show up at Christmas. He's not that guy, all right? All right, he is all present, meaning he's everywhere at all time. Okay, he's all knowing, but he's also everywhere at all time. And that might just kind of like, boom, blow your mind like it blows my mind. Okay, anybody's mind blown with the idea that God could be everywhere at all time? My mind is blown with that, okay? But that's what we're going to go to. I hope to help you understand the incredible benefit to your life, worshiping and serving a God that is everywhere at all time. Recently, I was with one of our Kingdom Builder partners in the country of Morocco. Anybody ever been to Morocco? All right, not many hands. Okay, I didn't think so. Um, but it's, it's, it's an uh, Islamic ranch state, right? And it's very oppressive to Christianity. And we happen to have missionaries there that we support through Kingdom Builders. How cool is that, right? Like undercover. I mean, that's, that's pretty exciting. However, they are constantly followed. Their phones are constantly tapped. Their emails are constantly being read. People are watching them. Their neighbors are being employed to watch them, right? And it's not bad for people to be watching you. I mean, even in Christianity here in America, we we constantly say that, look, someone's watching you, so someone's observing your Christianity at work. It's it's okay. But they're watching to try to find them to screw up so they can, you know, kick them out of the country. The Moroccan police... Um, are everywhere, and their undercover uh, government agencies are everywhere, trying to keep an eye on them and others, right, on the whole population to make sure no one's breaking some of the Islamic law. Uh, I, I was exposed to this as well, stopped at checkpoints, asked for my papers, you know, drilled with questions on who I am and what I'm doing. So I know that this is authentic and it's real, but it's not just that they have the police and the government officials. Those guys are actually employing without paying, but they're employing with fear every citizen, right? If they want to find out junk on you, they'll go to your neighbors and they'll force your neighbors to tell them what they want to hear. And so this is the kind of country that, uh, is, that our current Kingdom Builder partners are in. I recently visited the country and uh, even coming into the country, going through the police border control checkpoint, you get drilled with questions I knew was going to come. And uh, what I wasn't prepared for, but I had an answer for was this. Like, Jeff, what are you doing here? And I had the answer for that. But what do you do back in America? Like, ooh, man, they just throw it at you, right? And you got to come up with an answer quick. I knew this. If I say pastor, that's not going to end up well, okay? So I use my alternate job title. I don't know if you know it or not, but I've given myself an alternate job title. I use it often on airplanes 
Because have you guys, have you ever seen or observed the way a conversation goes down when someone says to a pastor, what do you do? And they go, I'm a pastor. Have you ever watched what that person does then from that point on? They always change, right? They, they change. And normally it's like, oh man, sorry, I was using those words a second ago. And I always go like, yeah, I got pretty innocent ears. I've never heard those words. That's pretty <laughs> offensive. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't. <clears throat> but I normally start out by telling people this. Well, what do, you, what do you do? And so when the guy in Morocco asked me, what do you do? I just looked at him boldly and I just went, I'm a coach. I'm a life coach. And that's what I said. And he's like, oh, you coach? And I, well, not, not exactly like that. It sounded, that sounded maybe a little more Asian. But he, he just came back, <laughs> your coach. And I, and I was like, yeah, that's what I have. And he's like, kachunk, all right, come on into our country. Okay. That's great. That's great. Um, but I, I normally use that. I'm a coach. I'm a life coach. It, it's, and that's the way I say it. Coach. Life coach. Because I wanted to posit something. Kind of like James Bond. Bond. James Bond. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It, it kind of feels like that to me. So that's my alternate job title. If you're ever on an airplane and you hear me say that to someone else, it's not because... I am trying to shy away from being a pastor. I just know that if I start there, then when I get to the spot where I am a pastor, they're going to listen to me a lot more. But these guys were everywhere watching us. You know, even when we went to cafes, we had to be careful what we talked about out in public. Um, Normally, our Kingdom Builder partner would say when we were in public, he would go, look, we're going to talk about the things that I talk about in public. And when we're in private, then then we can talk about the things maybe you want to ask questions about. And I was like, okay, man, I can, I can play that drill. Um, I, I don't want to get you in trouble. I kind of felt a little bit like I was a little kid at, back in my father's house. You know, you know, like that when you were a kid in your father's house, or your mom, you know, mom and dad, whatever, and um, they, have a, they had this way of finding out all the stupid things you did, and you didn't even know that they knew that you did them. You know that what I mean? Like, you did something stupid, they found out about it, and then they sit you down and they start asking you, like, were you the one playing with the ball? Uh, no, 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 not me. So you didn't notice the broken window? Uh, no, 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 not me. Oh, well, uh, your sister already told us that you were the one that threw the ball through the window. Okay, okay, I did it! I threw the ball through the window! Right? I mean, they, it's like they already knew what you did before you did it. My dad has had this cunning way of figuring this out. Like when I was in second grade, third grade, I want to say more second grade because the story I'm going to tell you is quite embarrassing. But I was downstairs in the basement. I'm playing with my action figures, and I had this like motorhome that was huge, and it rolled in the top you know, like folded up and you could get the action figures in there. And, you know, like a little boy, like I'm just playing all the way up to the point where you got to pee. But you, as a boy, you just play right through that one, right? And then you're kind of fidgeting and you do all these weird leg things and you're still playing with the toys, but yet you're, you're kind of walking around like this. And I've seen it in my grandkids and I, I'll look at them and I'll be like, Bear, do you got to pee? Yeah. I go, then go, right? Like, but you can't let go of the toy. You can't stop playing. Like, that's all you can see. And as a little boy at, at second grade, that's all I could see as well. And I was like, these action figures live in this motorhome that has a little bathroom. They pee in the bathroom. I might as well. Flip open the top, pull down the shorts, whiz in the, whiz in the toy. I didn't have enough time to go to the bathroom. I got to play. But then even as a second grader, you figure out very quickly, well, what are you going to do now with this motorhome filled with pee? (laughs) And so you roll, I rolled that into the bathroom and dumped what was left 
into the toilet and went back and played. And I wondered to myself, like, how did my dad find out about this when I didn't tell him? Was it the trail of pee that was left? Was it the smell of pee coming out of my toy? You know what I'm saying? Like, as an adult now, I've figured out some of the secrets. But one man can only be at one place at a time. I mean, that's just the truth. Even when, even when man works as a team, like in Morocco or his parents work as a team, you still miss things. You mean things still get stolen from stores that have incredible security systems because the thieves find out where the blind spots are, right? So even when you work as a team, things still happen. But see, God's radically different than all of this. He's so radically different because he's omnipresent, meaning he is all present. That means he's everywhere at all times. He knows all. He sees all. He isn't limited by the physical body that you and me live in. You know, God, through his spirit, is capable of being all present at all times. And that might freak some people out. Some people feel a little bit like, that's invasive. That's intrusive. Like, how can you do that? You created me, and now you invade my space 24-7, 365? Like, what's up with that? That's not fair. But I'm here to tell you today that it is an amazing quality of God to be everywhere at all time, and that benefits you as the follower of Jesus Christ in a powerful way. And it definitely benefits you who are far from God, searching today, wondering, should I follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and my leader? And I hope to leave you today with the awe-inspiring quality of God that he is, he is all present and how that actually benefits you. So we're going to go to our key passage. It's found in Psalms 139. If you've got your smartphone and you're on our YouVersion app, then you can follow along um, at one of the events. Otherwise, you can follow along on the screens. But we're going to be looking at uh, verses 7 through 12. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Now from that passage, one of the key things that you should have taken away is your number one benefit of God being all present. And that's this, that you can never escape from the presence of God. How many of you guys have wanted to escape from something at some point in your life? Of course, everybody in this room has. I mean, recently my wife has been sending me these nice little um, subtle messages. I get an email about a cruise ship sale that's going on. I got a text message the other day about an all-inclusive resort in Cancun sale that's going on. I know what she's sending me. She's got this thing inside of her. She's like, it's time to escape for a few days. Now, we've all felt this at one point or another. You know, through this pandemic, there's been moments when you've wanted to escape. There's been, maybe in your life, embarrassing moments where you wanted to escape. Let me take you back to third grade again. Third grade right, in a, like a class, and I'm sitting there with my legs crossed, and one of my legs is going to sleep. And in third grade, as a little boy in third grade, when one of your legs starts going to sleep and you get that numb, tingly kind of feeling, it's kind of cool, all right? Not as an adult. I don't like it anymore. So it was getting numb, and it's like numb, and it's all the way up into my hip, and it's all the way down into my foot, and I'm not watching the clock because normally it's going to take a few minutes for blood to start flowing in that, but all of a sudden the teacher's like, it's time, class is over, let's get going, I go to stand up, right, 
and I take my first step on this leg that is completely numb, and it just gives out, and I just fall into the lap of the meanest girl in our entire class. Of which she goes, boy, you better get off of me, like that. And now everyone's watching, right? And she's like, and I'm just trying to like walk like this, right? Dragging my leg. And I just want to escape. I just want to go home. Get me out of there. Like ninth grade, when I went out for this, you know, big band, um, you know, presentation. And here I am, and I got to sit down in front of an audience like you. And as I go to sit down, this is what I hear. Not an instrument. I hear a different thing. And the, and the pants between my butt cheeks, this rips right open. Someone else is like, that's happened to me. Just rips wide open, right? Now that is a horrible feeling. I'm seated, everything's cool, but the entire concert, all I can think about is this. What am I going to do when this thing gets over? Where am I going to go? How am I going to get out of this place? I just want to escape, and you've all been there. And we do some amazing things trying to escape the very presence of God, which, by the way, without success. The psalmist said in verse 9, he goes, look, if I ride the wings of the morning, can I escape you? No. If I dwell by the farthest oceans, can I escape you? No. We as humans, we try to do all kinds of things to, you know, adventure-wise, to accentuate our adrenaline, to try to get us to a point where we can just escape away from this world and escape from God's presence. Maybe some of you, you give yourself to work, or you give yourself maybe to online shopping, or you give yourself to the gym to try to escape spending time with the presence of God. Or we binge-watch Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, right, um, at trying to avoid the very presence of God, trying to detach from this world that we've been in, right? We, we even try to hide our face in our cell phone for hours on end, you know, with social media app after social media app, all of it trying to disconnect and avoid the very presence of God in this world in which we live in. But we can't live there forever, and eventually we have to come up for air. We have to pause. And when we pause or when we get tired of this pursuit of just that adrenaline or that gym or that social media app or whatever, when we get tired of that and we have to come to an end, it's amazing how many times when that happens, all of a sudden we come face to face with God. And we've heard the statement say, well, God chases people. And I want you to know today, I don't think God chases people. Because God says he's everywhere at all time. Why would he have to chase you? Here's the reality. Wherever you're running, he's there. That's why when you come alive and you all of a sudden spiritually wake up and you're like, God, I need you. It was as if he was chasing you, but you just can't get away from him. So everywhere you run, when you stop running spiritually, boom, there God is in the middle of life. That's what happened to the the prophet Jonah. Jonah was given this assignment to go to Nineveh and share the good news. He didn't think the Ninevites deserved it. He thought they were a a wicked people that didn't deserve the grace of God. So he decides to go down to the nearest port, buys a ticket, hops on a ship, and is going to sail to the farthest country he knows possible. In the middle of that journey, a great storm comes up in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, the sailors on the boat, somewhat suspicious of what's going on, think to themselves, somebody on this boat has sinned, and they believe it was Jonah, so they throw Jonah overboard. Right? (laughs) Ha! How would you like that? Jonah's like, I got a first-class ticket. Woo, there you go. doesn't matter. Now he's in the water. Storm stops. Giant fish swallows him, takes him down into the depths of the ocean in the belly of the fish. And at that moment, he discovers he still can't get away from God. Jonah chapter 2. 
Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and what? He answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, what? You heard me. Didn't matter. There's nothing he could do to get away from God. And that's the good news for you. There's nothing that you can do to escape the power and the presence of God. You can climb to the highest mountain you want to. Guess what you're going to find? God. You could travel to the most hostile country, hostile to Christianity, hostile to Americans. You could come face to face with your worst enemy. And guess what you'll find? God is still there. You could be the first person to ever move to Mars and call Mars home, and guess what you're going to find? You thought you were the first person? Nope, God's there. You could build a spaceship and travel to the closest, nearest galaxy, Alpha Centauri, four point some light years away, and guess what you're going to find? God. There's nothing you can do to escape God. That's the good news. But there's more to this, right? No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're struggling with, God's there in the midst of it. You could be dealing with the greatest depression you've ever dealt with. Thinking that, where is God? God's right there with you. Right? You could be struggling with your faith, wrestling with a, with a faith of believing that Jesus is who he said he was. And I want you to know that God is right there with you. You could be going through some of the most difficult medical challenges you or someone in your family has ever faced. I just want you to know, God is right there. He's not absent from the moment. You can be hungry to know more about God, which I hope that you are. And guess what God's going to do? He's going to reveal himself to you. He's everywhere at all times. You could have a strong desire to get closer to God. Now watch this. You could have a strong desire to get closer to God. These are words that we use. But if God is everywhere at all time, can you actually get closer to God? You can't technically get closer to God than you are right now. God is right here. He's living inside of many of your hearts right now. What can happen when we say, God, I want to get closer to you? Here's what God does. He manifests his presence more for you to experience how close he's always been. That's good news. That's really good news. So you can't escape God's presence no matter what you do. And that means that darkness can't hide you from God either. And I'm not talking about the darkness that you would find at the depths of the ocean or the darkness you'll find in the, you know, finale of the grave. I'm talking about the darkness that comes from our sin, all right? The darkness of your sin cannot hide you from the power and the presence of God. But our sin does want us to hide from God. Our sin, when we sin, there's something inside of us that goes, man, I got to hide from God. As if God never saw me sin, Did God see me sin? Of course God saw me sin. But what is it? It's the shame and the guilt that starts building up inside of each of us from our sin that causes us to want to run and hide. It's the same thing you saw in Adam and Eve. God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. It's perfect. They have everything they need to sustain life. God puts two trees in the garden. One is the tree of life. You can eat from that. One is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God says, do not eat from that. What is it that Adam and Eve do? They eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and everything starts to unravel into darkness. And for the very first time in Adam and Eve's life, they want to hide from God. Genesis chapter 3. When the cool evening breezes were blowing... The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. 
Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, well, it wasn't my fault. It was the woman you gave me. It's all her fault. She's the one that gave me the fruit. And I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? Well, it's not my fault. The servant deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. I mean, just look at this. God, God's asking these questions. Some people perceive God asking these questions like, did you eat the fruit? Where have you been? Like, why are you hiding? You know, it's as if God doesn't know. I want you to know today, God, God already knew the answers of these questions. God was asking them so they could have an opportunity to, to confess. Just like when our father or our mother already knew that we had done that stupid thing, and they had grace enough to ask us questions about it, right? So that we could eventually confess instead of getting called out. I, I, but I love how they tried to disguise the darkness that they were standing in. I love how they tried to. Like, Adam first starts out, well, I was afraid. I was afraid. Like, well, why are you hiding? He doesn't, he doesn't really address why he's hiding because he's sinned. He, he goes immediately to an emotion like, I'm going to distract you, God. I was hiding because I was afraid, hoping that maybe God would start dealing with, well, why are you afraid? Let me help you. I want to comfort you. But no, God's much wiser than that. Why? Because God already knew because he was there when it all went down. And what does Adam do? He blames Eve. And what does Eve do? She blames the serpent, trying to disguise the darkness of their sin. Even when you and me try to disguise the darkness of our sin, guess what we find? Just like with Adam and Eve, who was still in the garden? God Who's still there next to you? God. Whose spirit is still living inside of you? God. God is still there. He's right there with you. Now, look, it might be very, very embarrassing to entertain the idea that God already knows about your sin, that God saw your sin. And I know it's a crazy thought to think about the fact that God watched you sin. Yeah, the most recent sin, he saw it. And that's a crazy, crazy thought, but even the psalmist knew this, because in, in, in our key passage of 139, verses 11 and 12, it says, I, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I can't hide from you. Here's the good news. Even though God was right there, and he actually saw your most recent sin, or he saw the most horrific sin that you can think of in your life that maybe no one else knows about, here's the good news about God. He still loves you. There's nowhere you can go to get away from his love. There's, you can't run far enough. You can't build a big enough spaceship. You can't hide in the deepest cave. Right? You, you can't move to another continent. You can't change your name. There's nothing you can do. God saw it. And God still loves you. Now, here's the good news about that. That means that the omnipresence of God makes repentance a whole lot easier. Because repentance now is just this. God, I know you saw this in my life. You already know it. So I'm just confessing of it. And I'm repenting of it because you already know it. What if repentance wasn't that? What if repentance was, you know, you having to come to me and ask me, hey, Pastor Jeff, do you know, is this a good day for God? Like, is he having a good day? Is he, is he, does he have a good, is, is the schedule pretty open? Is everything going good? Because I got some really bad news to tell him. Well, I think this is a good moment. So you walk into the presence of God and very sheepishly, you're like, God, I'm sorry, I sinned. And he's like, what again? I can't believe this. 
No, because God is all-knowing, he already knows. He, that means he's built half of the bridge, the most important half of the bridge of repentance for you and me. Because we serve an all-knowing God, now all we have to do is say, God, I know that you know. It's like God walks around in this universe with the most impressive set of night vision goggles ever created by man. You know our soldiers, they have these night vision goggles, which by the way, it just torques me that we left 16,000 pairs of those in Afghanistan, but that's for another story. <laughs> we got these night vision goggles that we use and it gives us the upper advantage on the battlefield. Can you imagine being one of our enemies? And here's the whole enemy group. And they're hiding behind these bushes and trees. And they just get picked off in the pitch black dark of night. One after another, after another, after another. Just picked off. And they're like, how in the world are they doing that? Let's run. Let's get out of here. God doesn't need some super high, you know, cool tool of technology to see you in your darkness. The Bible tells us it's from his purity. It's from his holiness that God has this attribute called light. John chapter 1, right? The light shines in the darkness, talking about the attribute of God. And the darkness can what? Never extinguish it. There's nothing you can do to extinguish the light of God. There's nothing you can do to run from God. There's nothing you can do. Like the light of Jesus Christ has invaded your darkness. So what are you going to do about it? It's already invaded your darkness. The love of Jesus Christ has invaded it. He's standing right there. He watched you, and he's standing there. And what's he doing? He's waiting for you to say, I need you. I want you. Would you come and liberate me? And by the way, I want you to know this about God. God saw all of our sin, and what is God's heart for you? To bring you to heaven without fault and with incredible joy. One of my favorite verses of all times, right? One of my favorite. You're going to want to write this one down. It's found in the small book of Jude. It's one chapter long. It sits right before the last book of the Bible, Revelation. So it's one chapter. So it's verse 24, one of my favorite of all times. This is what it says about God. Now all glory to God, who's able to keep you from falling away into the darkness and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. That's good. That is good. That's who our God is, guys. And because he's all-present and he's all-knowing, he already knows all the junk of your life. So why not confess to him? Why not repent to him so that he can do what is in his heart for you? So since God's everywhere and he sees everything, there's really no reason for you to be running from him. And the good news is really this, that no matter where you go, God is going to be right there with you. I want to end my message today in a very unique way. I want to tell you a, a little kid's story that was written in 1942. The little kid's story is entitled The Runaway Bunny. Now look, I got it, right? This is not deep, profound theology. But what I think you're going to find in this story in light of an all-present God is that you're going to find yourself and you're going to find this attribute of this all-present God and the benefit that it has for your life. This is God's heart for you. Listen to this story, The Runaway Bunny. Once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away. So he said to his mother, I'm running away. <laughs> well, if you run away, said his mother, I will run after you, for you're my little bunny. Well, if you run after me, I can't keep that up, by the way. If you run after me, said the little bunny, 
I will become a fish in a trout stream and I will swim away from you. Well, if you become a fish in a trout stream, said the mother, I'll become a fisherman and I'll fish for you. Well, if you become a fisherman, said the little bunny, then I'm going to become a rock on a mountain high above you. Well, if you become a rock on a mountain high above me, said the mother, then I will be a mountain climber and I will climb to where you are. If you become a mountain climber, said the little bunny, I'll be a flower in a hidden garden. When you start thinking about this from God's heart towards you, oh, it gets me. Well, if you become a flower in a hidden garden, said the mother, I'll be a gardener and I'll find you. Well, if you become a gardener and you find me, said the little bunny, then I'll be a bird and I'll just fly away. Well, if you become a bird and you fly away from me, said the mother, then I'll be a tree that you can come home to. If you become a tree, said the little bunny, I will become a little sailboat, then I'll sail away from you. Well, if you become a sailboat and you sail away from me, said the mother, then I will become the wind and I'll blow you where I want you to go. Well, if you become the wind and you blow me, said the little bunny, then I'll become a little boy and I'll run into a house. Well, if you become a little boy and you run into a house, said the mother bunny, then I'll become your mother and I'll catch you in my arms and I'll hug you. Shucks, said the little bunny. I might as well stay where I am and be your little bunny. And so he did. A little bunny is you. It doesn't matter where you've ran. God was there. It doesn't matter what you're running from. You're going to run into God. It doesn't matter what you're trying to hide. He already knows it. He hasn't been chasing you as much as he just keeps showing up every place you keep trying to avoid him. And so my question today is, since God is here, why avoid him? Why not lean in to the fact that God knows everything about your life and he saw it all because he was there? Why not just lean in and say, God, I want to get close to you. Would you show yourself to me? I want to keep running. You're going to still, you're going to keep showing up, that's true, but I'm going to keep wasting my time on this earth. We don't have another day to waste. Now is the moment. Make a move towards God. He's here right now. God, would you become close to this church? Would you become close to these people? Would you manifest your presence in such a way today that your church would know you? They would come to a clear knowledge of truly knowing you today. Why don't you stand with me and let me pray for you. Lord, it can be intimidating for us to think about the fact that you already know everything about us and, and because you're omnipresent, you, you were there. You saw it all. It can be mind-blowing to us. Like, we can get caught up in, well, how can you be everywhere at all times? Lord, really today's message is less about that because the only person that can answer that is you. And I think you'll answer that when we stand before you in heaven. But for now, we need to maximize your omnipresence. 
you are all present, that means you are here right now. And what you want us to do is lean in and take advantage of that. Instead of running from you, instead of trying to hide our sin that you already know about, you call us to confess it to you, repent it to you, so that we might be close to you. Like the bunny that climbed into the arms of the mother. You want us to be like the bunny that got to a point where we're just content going, why should I run? I'm just going to stay here with you. So Lord, would you unveil yourself to us today so that we might see just really how close you have been to us. And let that kind of overwhelm our heart to a place of breaking and a place of gratitude and a place of thankfulness before you. In Jesus' name, amen.